And then it's really not a win-win for anybody. So you negotiated them out of food out of their mouth and you think you got a great deal, but at the end of the day, you're not going to have a supplier or they're not going to have you as a client because they can't make money from you. Hey everyone, this is Norm Ferrar, aka The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing building and scaling brands with Mexico sourcing. We're also going to be talking about why focus on Mexico and why is value-based collaboration important and how does understanding the cultural differences strengthen partnerships. We're also going to be talking about why building a community is crucial for your business and brand scaling. All right, welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Uh, sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, and welcome our guest. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm very jealous that I didn't have a night like yours last night. Uh, and tonight, and tonight. Al, uh, <laughs> you know what happened? This is kind of cool. So this is first rabbit hole we're going to go down. <laughs> I came to, like I came to Vegas. Um, Kevin was here and by the way, he brought me cookies. So that's very good. He knows uh, that's one of my things. Uh, Kevin King. And uh, anyways, uh, we went over, he, he, he had a, a surprise last night for me and we went over to the sphere and I never heard of the sphere before a couple of weeks ago. What an amazing an amazing show uh it was unbelievable and uh typical kevin fashion he got the best seats in the house right center and um i, I never expected it to be as good as it was it was so if anybody's in vegas and i and like i know they're using it for all sorts of different things but just the regular event that they have the regular um uh entertainment that they have first of all it's tons of entertainment going in uh, then second of all, then the show starts and you just sit back and you're just amazed. So wow. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful. I haven't, I haven't had the chance to to go to Vegas in a really long time. I used to go all the time for expos, but it's been a long time. So I'll have to have to put that on my bucket list. Yeah. 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 I, I wasn't even expecting it. I don't know. I come to Vegas quite a bit. I didn't even know the dome was built. You know, the, yeah, the sphere was built. So ah, it just shows I don't pay attention when I come here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today, and by the way, uh, if you're interested, if you're if you're listening, a lot of this content that we talked about at the beginning just gets cut out when we go to the YouTube or when we put it onto uh, the podcast um, on Apple or wherever you're listening to it. So some of the fun is just listening to me stumble through and have bloopers, uh, or you can just listen to the more finely tuned edited version okay first question Lindsay. Shoot, why I'm ready. mexico well i think there's some pretty basic reasons pretty pretty obvious reasons why mexico which is its proximity to the u.s mm -hmm. i think that's the first and and the most important reason and then the second reason is that i think mexico for a long time has kind of fluxed in and out of the radar of, of the U.S. consumer and also the U.S. product builder, entrepreneur who is looking to, you know, 
potentially produce outside of the US their products. And I think recently with everything that happened post pandemic with Asia and the supply chain crisis, Mexico has really come back onto the radar and become a really viable option. And I can speak specifically to how Mexico has been uh, preparing for that kind of swing back towards nearshoring because it's something that I've seen, you know, specifically over the last 10 years that I've lived here, um, how manufacturers are starting to learn from what China did well and then adapt it to this kind of nearshoring, more artisanal style manufacturing here in Mark in, in Mexico. And it's it's a huge country, a huge country. And currently manufacturing and exporting to the US and to other parts of the world represents 40% of the economy here. So it is something that I think a lot of people don't realize that it's growing kind of under the water. And we're going to definitely see a boom very soon in nearshoring, especially in apparel, which is my area of expertise. Um, but yeah, Me Mexico also, I mean, you really can't imagine a better partner because you get to come to Mexico and, and experience an incredible culture and drink tequila and eat the best food in the world. So, I mean, besides the practical reasons, it's also an amazing place to, to be able to have as a partner. I mean, I travel to China a lot and I can tell you the food is definitely better in Mexico. Well, I, I can see one of our listeners, uh, like Cool Hand Luke, um, he, you probably had him at tequila. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but uh, th there's a couple of things I've, I've, been in Mexico trying to source uh, the manufacturing and there have been some issues that have come up that are different than yeah. China. Now, other than the, the 16 hour, 20 hour flight, which yeah. sucks. Uh, but yeah. going to Mexico, like you said, you can just go over there, meet with your, your supplier, but I still don't, for me anyways, the process getting the orders and are you seeing that that's getting better? Yeah, I mean, specifically this year in particular, um, in Alt Creative Agency, my business, uh, we partnered with WeTrek, which is another company that specializes in the actual process. Um, and so we're really trying to work kind of both sides of the coin there. So we're working with the manufacturers here to better their process, to strengthen their, their kind of um, commitment to quality and to the process. And then also work with the clients to help them understand that China's been doing this for a really long time. Mexico is relatively new in the sense that to be able to meet the capacities and the demand that the, the American client has, it has to learn the process. And so we're trying to work, you know, kind of both sides of the coin in adapting the market here in Mexico, adapt training the, the manufacturers and the suppliers here, and then really working on how can we build a process that works for both sides? Because I think Traditionally, you know, I've worked with a lot of the American brands. They come to Mexico and they expect a system and a process that they're used to receiving in Asia. And it's just, it's very different. And I think that one of the key differences is on a cultural level, right? Like, I don't think there are cultures more different on, on a global scale than China and really anywhere in Latin America. And so I think just getting people to understand that the process is different, but even though the process is different, you can still get the same results is really key to making this partnership work, you know, across the border. Yeah. I've like dealing with China, there is certain communication technique, even there, cultural tech or just cultural differences uh, for new sellers, even 
you know, you could be an advanced seller, but there's all sorts of cultural differences that could still affect your your uh, negotiation, uh, just everything to do with your product. It could be your packaging. It could be the quality. Uh, in Mexico, that's a whole other ball game. So all of a sudden, let's say you've been in the game for a few years. Now you're going over to Mexico. The communication, and this is this is a big difference that I found, is that Mexican manufacturers want to please. They want to get the job. And they'll go out of their way to do it. I've also found out that uh, sometimes if it's not a win-win on pricing, uh, the manufacturer, and I've had experience with this, will overcompensate to get the deal. And then he feel they feel that uh, they just want the deal. They want to satisfy you. But then they find out that their pricing is wrong. Have you ever experienced that? And then it's really not a win-win for anybody. So you negotiated them out of food out of their mouth and you think you got a great deal, but at the end of the day, you're not going to have a supplier or they're not going to have you as a client because they can't make money from you. Yeah. Uh, honestly, this is the number one issue that we encountered um, when we started kind of this path of uh, training and working with the factories, um, particularly exactly exactly on a cultural level what you said there there's this incredible desire to please and to close the deal but then in the actual execution and work through we start to find that you know it's not actually profitable for them and then that's when the problems come also because then they are looking for ways to to create profitability and that usually comes at the cost of the product so this is something that we're definitely working on um kind of training in 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 the sense of helping the manufacturers understand how to cost from the beginning so that there's enough of a cushion that that the price is still competitive and that that it's not taking food out of their mouth in, in your words because i think that that's exactly it it's definitely something that happens i think it's getting better because there's you know one of the things that i always say to the brands is that if we don't try we're, we're not going to be able to get anything to happen here in mexico because it really in the practice is where we have to really count on the learning and if brands aren't willing to take the risk and aren't willing to come and try it out and work and create those relationships and those alliances, then, you know, it's really just going to stay in a, in a realm of theory because it's never going to actually be able to, to translate into growth and learning. And I mean, for those who have, who started manufacturing with China, you know, 30 years ago, know that it was pretty similar in the beginning. And the, the difference was that China had uh, the ability to subsidize through their government so that the food wasn't being taken out of their mouth. Um, because it was a really big push to move, you know, China into into a global leader in manufacturing. And that's something that we're also looking to, to have happen here in Mexico is how can we push the government to help subsidize this because it is the future and it is the direction that will allow Mexico to grow as well as, 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 a, as a global economy. And, you know, like you said, without without trying, it's really hard for them to get into that. So we are doing a lot of work on costing and understanding, you know, the full supply chain, because a lot of times the manufacturers offer full package. And then in the end, they, they're not really clear on what their partners are like fabric mills or, um, you know, other other suppliers on the raw goods side. So it becomes a bigger problem. And so we're trying to build a network where that collaboration happens from the beginning, and that the costing is is really as accurate as possible. But it's definitely one of the biggest challenges here in Mexico and in Latin America in general as well. So in the Philippines, 
uh, Philippines are known, <laughs> for, at least with the VAs, anybody who's had a VA uh, and you heard about uh, the, uh, the uh, family emergency, and family emergencies usually happen on Mondays and Fridays, but I've had one of my, uh, one of, one of the contractors that we were working with, she had told me that her mother had died three times. Okay. So, but it is a common trait. Uh, and this is anybody who's ever dealt with, uh, with Philippine VAs. And one of the things I found, uh, was I either wasn't paying enough and they were jobbing out. And yeah. so that's just a common trait. So now I pay a lot more and people are loyal and they're, you know, it's great to work, but it was a learning process. Common trait in Mexico is that if you do this and you don't pay enough, you'll be put to the next or like next in line, will get the, the ordered processed first. And so if you're noticing that you're being pushed back or your, your lead time uh, is all of a sudden being missed, uh, it might be something to take a look at and maybe even re renegotiate. Can you imagine if you went back to your manufacturer and just asked them, you know, hey, look, is there a problem? And do you need more money? Do you think that they jump at that? Yeah, I think communication is is typically the the most critical part in any relationship at, at any level in any scale of business. I think it's it's something that I always I always make the joke that that instead of having classes on how to learn to like about history, we should have classes on communication in school because mm. it is without a doubt the number one tool for creating a successful business. Everything is relationships. And I think one of the uh, advantages of working with Latin American countries is that the, the language barrier is significantly lower. The barrier is much lower. And the other thing is that, like you said in the beginning, they're, they're willing to please. So they're very open and very warm and they're very flexible in the sense that if that conversation is brought to the table, it is more likely for a win-win situation to come out of it than it China. I know because I negotiated in China for many, many years and it almost seemed like there was, there was no negotiation. In the end, I would leave and I would be, I feel like I got the short end of this stick again. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> so I know that here in Mexico, it's, it's a, it's a bit different because there is that, that deep desire to, to please and to grow and to learn. And yep. so I think as long as there's that openness to bring the conversation to the table, you definitely have a, a much different result with Latin American countries than, than China or anywhere in Asia, particularly. Yeah. And like China, uh, Mexico is very family or oriented. And yes. I, I love that about, uh, you know, dealing with suppliers here. Um, just that you get to know the family. And if you don't get to know the family, get to know their family. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's breaking. I talk to people about events. Well, going out and negotiating and breaking bread with somebody uh, is so important. Uh, it, you know, you can't, that's probably, I don't know about you, but it's probably one of the best things you can do, even though you, it might not be a tactic, but uh, just breaking bread with people are going to, will most likely give you better pricing. Absolutely. And this is, this is the core difference between what the way that I see business being done in Asia versus Latin America. And this was, this was something that I said, I could literally write an entire book just on this topic, because I remember I would, I would arrive to Asia 
and it would be very serious and we would sit down at the table and we would discuss numbers and MOQs and we would be, you know, kind of having tense conversations about, about pricing. And then we would come to the agreement and then we would all go out to eat. And then the boss of the factory would order for everyone. And we would sit at the table and we would, you know, it, there would be like a, a, a bit of a, a, an ease into maybe more of a social conversation, but not as much. You know, the, the dinner would be open over. We would shake hands. We'd say, thank you very much. And we would go on our way. And the relationship would be like that for 10 years. And in Mexico, I first got here. It was like, no, no, no. We're not going to talk about business yet. I don't talk about business until I know you. And so we would go out to lunch. We would get drunk off of tequila. And then we would start talking about business. And it was really jarring for me at first because the, the difference of how I was used to doing business is just so radically different. And at first, you know, as, as an American and, and as somebody who was you know, born and raised in New York in a very structured, like you can't mix friendship with professional relationships. It was really hard for me to, you know, bring down my barrier because that, you know, after the lunch, it was like, we're going to go, or I'm inviting you to my house. I want you to meet my mother. And then we would go to the factory and in the factory, you know, there would be this um, shrine, Virgin of Guadalupe. And, and everyone would have like these, this moment to like, of lunch would be like this really social loud moment in the day. And I just thought, wow, this is the culturally, the differences here are so grand. But at the end of the day, I think it's, it's really important as, as American consumers and, and as American brands and American companies to really go into any of these situations from a place of curiosity and openness and listen first and observe first, because if we want to do business in other countries and we have to do business in countries, in other countries, we have to really be able to lean into the cultures that we're, we're looking to work with and understand them at their root and at their core to be able to have successful relationships. So yeah, it's, it's definitely radically different in Mexico, much more fun, I would definitely say. Um, but you know, that fun also comes with needing to know when to take a step back, when to, to put on, you know, kind of the serious face and, and how to negotiate and, and navigate right. through so much warmth. I, I, I remember, uh, and I had altitude sickness at this point, we're in Mexico city. And, uh, this was an event that we put on, uh, Amy Weiss, uh, you know, it was the, it was the sourcing, uh, the Mexico sourcing trip and she had taken everybody out to the factory. And this was so typical. It was a ceramics, absolutely gorgeous ceramics factory. And yeah. the grandmother cooked lunch for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was so like when I heard about it, it was just, it was just typical. I mean, it was, you know, so if you get a chance, uh, I know that it's still tough to get the sourcing done because there's not a lot of sourcing agents that are out there. And, you know, we, we recommend, you know, a, a few sourcing uh, agents, but there's not an, there's not a lot out there and there's not a lot that do a really good job. So uh, that's really important. And anybody who's listening to Kels, you want to uh, throw in either in the F Facebook group, some sourcing agents, you know, from the, the, the Mexico trip, actually, like we're, we're in touch with uh, the people that uh, really helped out. And they're awesome, and they've been on the podcast, and you know who I'm talking about. So, yeah. <laughs> so, and we'll put their information in the uh, chat as well. So, I, I do want to give them a shout out because uh, they're awesome. Uh, but let's get into a little bit more sourcing. So, we've got emerging brands, and mm -hmm. how do they overcome challenges like uh, 
um, resource limitations or uh, maybe an evolving uh, digital landscape? Yeah. So one of the things that we're working on, particularly in partnership with WeTrack, which is a sourcing uh, company that supports brands coming into Mexico, which I believe is who you're talking about. Exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, when we created this partnership with WeTrack, what we realized is that there are brands that don't have the capacity to, you know, come into Mexico, bring in a full team, put somebody on the ground, you know, really set up shop the way that some of the bigger brands can. And so the idea of WeTrack exactly was to be an extension of those teams and to be able to um, really be your kind of on the ground team and eyes and ears uh, for the Mexican market. Everybody on the team speaks Spanish. So that obviously is, is critical to be able to, you know, really deepen the relationship and, and enter into negotiations. And with smaller brands, one of the things that we've, one of the strategies that we've been able to implement is um, grouping uh, resources. So for example, because we're highly focused in the, in the apparel industry, we were able to find uh, fabric mills in Mexico that maybe had really high MOQs. And so because we were able to kind of group a few brands that were specific to swimwear or activewear that use the same type of fabric, we were then able to um, create pods of, of orders so that maybe the MOQ we were able to meet with the fabric mills service two or three brands at once so that we were able to, um, you know, provide the same service that a bigger brand would receive, but by doing it in a very creative and, and um, innovative way, uh, grouping these, these um, raw material suppliers like trims and, you know, even buttons and things like that, that really at the end of the day, the essence of the brand doesn't change just because they're using the same fabric. Um, I mean, the essence of the brand isn't, um, you know, and Jeopardy is the um, just because they're using the same fabric. So we're really looking to find new and creative ways to support the smaller and emerging brands because we recognize that, you know, if you are a small brand in the U.S. and you're, you know, China is is yes, there's there's a lot of resources, but it's very far away and it's it's very difficult to get kind of your feet on the ground if you don't actually go. And you know, you can be in Mexico in three hours if you're in right. on the West Coast and. In, if you're in New York, also, you know, Miami, these are like the main cities in the U.S. have direct flights to Mexico City, Cancun, Guadalajara. So really, it's it's a much more accessible um, place to start investigating than China, because China is obviously significantly larger. And it, it seems as though in Mexico, there's more of a openness also to even start those conversations without even having to commit to doing business. So I think that's also another advantage for small brands as well. Yeah. And on top of that, and I don't know about you, but I would not attempt to go and try to just do this on your own in Mexico. Right. You yeah. need a, a, like we're talking about WeTrack. So you need a sourcing agent or you need somebody to help open up those doors. Um, you know, being an entrepreneur, you only know so much. You can't be an expert in everything. And this is definitely an area. It, it might cost you a little bit extra, but it's going to save you so much money in the long run. Uh, just just processing, getting the goods across the border. Uh, there's so many uh, reasons why you should go with a sourcing agent and just let them like open up and get the job done for you. So if you're worried about saving 5% or whatever the, the charge would be, it's the wrong thought process. Uh, it, it really is so important. And we're at the bottom of the hour. Uh, just wondering if you're a seller, if you know, we've got a bunch of listeners on, if you've 
never gone to Mexico, why not? And if you are in Mexico, let me know or let us know, uh, you know, some of the challenges you face or some something that's awesome. So it's wide open. Just interested in that. And of course, we've got it. We actually do have a bunch of questions already that we'll get to at the top of the hour. But uh, I'd like to see those comments. Okay. So we're at the bottom of the hour. And if this is the first time you're listening to the uh, podcast, we have a giveaway called, or not Lunch with Norm, that's giving away me. And nobody wants me. So, uh, <laughs> but they, they probably do want the Wheel of Kelsey. So if you're interested in our prize giveaway, it's always hashtag Wheel of Kelsey. Take two people, you'll get a second entry. All right, Lindsay, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. What is the awesome giveaway today? So we're actually going to allow the winner to choose, but we have two uh, potential giveaway options for the winner. The first one is a is access to WeTrack for a pre-diagnosis to get uh, that initial kind of work done with WeTrack to figure out what is the product that you're looking to do, um, help you kind of get an idea of what that would look like near shoring into Mexico. And then the second one is for anyone who is uh, actually specialized in apparel or in textile, um, we have a fashion academy as well. So the entrance into that academy is worth $2,000 and we're going to give away the entrance to one person. And that academy wow. focuses on how to launch a um, an apparel brand. And we obviously touch heavily on sourcing and manufacturing in Mexico during the eight-week program. So that, that starts in February of 2024. So the winner will get to choose between those two, uh, the diagnosis with WeTrek or access to the Fashion Academy in February. That's two great prizes. Even if you're not in fashion, yeah, it's, it, it might be something that you want to take up after this uh, course <laughs> yeah. because, you know, even for I've never uh, done anything in apparel. Uh, I've had people come to me. Actually, I should send them to you if they uh, if they come Out over to way. me. But you know, yoga yoga pants, uh, just. But I don't have that experience. It's not my expertise. Uh, Having a course like that, you know, who, who knows? That would have maybe made our uh, agency a little bit of money. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm always curious and just learning because it's such a different, it's so different than uh, my pet product or, you know, my beauty products. So awesome, awesome uh, giveaway. So enter hashtag Wheel of Kelsey, tag two people, you get a second entry. And now, Kelsey, if you're doing your job on this glorious Friday, just hit the button. Facing cash flow challenges with your e-commerce business? Discover Viably, your ultimate financial ally. From real-time sales data integrations to immediate funding access, Viably is here to support you. Plan your growth with their free tool for online sellers and engage with specialists whenever you need. Extend your cash flow with Viably. Damn, I'm eating my cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd have it done by the time. So professional. Enjoy. We say here in Mexico, provecho. Mm. Okay. Now that I swallowed, <laughs> there we go. Let's talk about um, just nearshore. And how does uh, nearshoring uh, to Mexico, uh, how does nearshore changing impact the changing market that's out there? Yeah. So I think the number one thing, and this is something that I'll, I'll use, if it's okay with you, I'll give a, a concrete example of something that sure. we did about uh, a couple of years ago. 
So when I first started working with Mexico, I was working with a retailer called CNA and CNA has stores all over the world. Um, tons and tons of stores. They're kind of like them, but um, they're mostly focused in Europe and in Latin America now. And one of the things that we saw when, when I first started and, and the way that we were able to actually um, grow their sales 800 times um, in, the, in the time that I was there was this idea of nearshoring. So for the stores that were in Latin America, they were still manufacturing everything in China. And one of the things that we saw was that the the time, the lead time that we had to work with China for the specifically for the footwear industry was about eight to 12 months out. So we had no way to impact whether or not we thought those things were actually going to be able to sell or no. So we had to really stay uh, producing pretty basic products with China because the risk of, of adding anything that was remotely trendy whatsoever uh, was was too high because the lead time was too far out from when we were actually going to be able to get the product on the floor, which is a common issue with China in general, the lead times. So one of the things that we started doing was we would go to China, we would look and see what was available, we would plan our basic programs, but then everything that was any even remotely had a, a tiny layer of trend on it, we started training the manufacturers in Mexico to do that product. So it was a process that took us about a year and a half to actually get the product exactly how we wanted it and it and so that the client wouldn't be able to tell what was produced in Mexico and what was produced in China. So we were able to put two pairs of shoes on the table in front of the client and say, this was made in China, this was made in Mexico, can you tell the difference? And it was undetectable, the difference between the product. And that took a lot of energy and effort to, um, to train the manufacturers in Mexico, but I'll tell you what happened. What ended up happening is that we, we built out programs so that we were able to get the product for the basic. But then once we started seeing spikes in sales, we were able to replicate that product in, almost immediately within two to three weeks and get it on the sales floor within four to five weeks of that first initial upswing in sales. So what that did was that on the same exact product, our sell-through, we were able to make it faster and faster and faster. And so that allowed us to basically make more, more money on the exact product but significantly more money because all we did was just change the lead time on that product after we were able to kind of train the manufacturers. So for me, that, that was a clear sign that as long as we're willing to make the investment in preparing Mexico for the type of product and the quality that we're looking for, the results are astounding. I mean, we're talking about, they were doing, um, you know, 200 million pesos. So that's about, um, Oh, I can't I can't think of the the conversion we can add it to the notes for the for the reported, mm -hmm. but from 200 million to 1.2 billion in sales just by just in one product category, just in footwear by by relying on nearshoring for immediate um, replenishment of products. So that for me was like the, the first sign that there's something really interesting here in Mexico. And I think for anyone in the US who's looking at figuring out a way to move their supply chain to, towards nearshoring, the, the first piece of advice is start with a mix. You can't just go from one day to the next, China to Mexico. But in that mix, I wouldn't mix product. I would mix the same product, but different lead times and different reaction times. So I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make. They're like, I'll leave this product A in China and I'll bring product B to Mexico. But I would say, leave product A in China and then figure out ways to replenish product A from a nearshoring standpoint to be able to have a competitive advantage on, on taking advantage of products that work really well. Okay. Now I know that you're in apparel. Yeah. I'm curious, just off the top of your head, what are maybe five or more um, 
categories that Mexico is doing a great job with? That's a great question. So footwear and handbags, um, I know that I'm in apparel, but foot, foot, any, any leather goods are mm -hmm. incredible. Injected plastic also has a huge growth um, boom right now in Mexico. So anyone who's doing products that um, involves the process of uh, plastic, plastic injection. Um, what else? Technology, techno like tech. I, I know that there's, there's here in Guadalajara specifically where I live, there's huge manufacturers for um, like cell phones and, and tech um, gadgets. I guess would be the way. Sorry, I, I, my my language around around <laughs> anything outside of apparel and fashion is going to be limited, so I apologize. Um, so yeah, I would say those are probably the top uh, plastic injection, uh, any type of leather goods. Um, what else? Um, apparel, obviously, textile. So also like um, anything that has to do with textile. So it could be bedding, um, towels, um, hotel like hotel services. So. Uh, like sheets, towels, um, comforters, pillows, carpets, anything that has to do with textile in general, huge ability to to produce here. I know there's also quite a few uh, sustainable factories who focus on um, actually just the yarns and, and the raw goods as well. I know Patagonia is working with Mexico quite heavily on that type of development. So basically in the world of textile, also, like I said, tech and plastic injection, those would be the categories that I would say are the most uh, prominent here. Yeah, I like to uh, probably add beauty. Oh, there's unbelievable um, sources of high quality um, natural soaps and lotions. And, yes, uh, that's yeah, true. yeah. Uh, and one thing that uh, that blew me away was a plastics company that had a biodegradable plastic, so you could buy pails or you could buy whatever it was, and it was something I hadn't seen before, but this is just plastic that'll break down in a much quicker uh, period of time, which um, if you ever get a chance to go to uh, a sourcing expo in Mexico, um, go. It's really well yeah. worth it. Okay, so let me see. Um, that's my, I, I think this is one of my favorite topics. It's probably going to be one of my favorite questions. But building a community, why is that so crucial for building your brand? This is also my favorite topic. <laughs> I think um, it's a really hot buzzword right now, also on a, on a global scale community. I think it really stems from, you know, the impact that the pandemic had on the world and, and the desire to feel um, belonging and feel a part of something bigger than, than us. So for me, community is the number one thing. Um, what I will say is that here, specifically in Latin America, community is the root of everything. So like you said, family is super important. Community is an extension of family. And without community, things just don't work here in, in Latin America. So community is really important in terms of uh, success, like a success factor for building a brand, especially if you're looking to nearshore, because most of the factories that you're going to work with or suppliers that you're going to work with, they're family companies. And they're family companies that were built on the idea that we work as a team, we work as a community, we work as a family. And so understanding the complexity of building community and the un understanding the complexity of building cross-border community is super important because it really speaks to what we've been talking about this whole uh, time on the, on the, on the live that 
really understanding cultural differences, really coming to Mexico and looking to be a part of what's happening here. I mean, I'll use the example of um, Flamingo Estate. Flamingo Estate is a company based in California that does uh, organic food and products. So all of their products are based on organic ingredients. They just came um, this week to Yucatan and to uh, the south of Mexico to understand regenerative uh, agricultural processes. And what they did was they came and they spent a week and a half living in the community of the people who work there because they believe that the best way to understand what they were going to be able to learn and extract from this experience was really being a part of this community and it coexisting with this community. And I think right now, especially, you know, maybe this is a very romantic answer, but with everything that's happening in the world, we really have to figure out ways to become more united as a, as humans and, and break down some of those barrier, bar cultural differences and barriers and stand and, and, and create a sense of belonging. So for me, the, the number one thing for anyone looking to come to Mexico is figure out a way to be a part of the community, figure out a way to make this bigger than you, because also part of, um, at the, uh, like circular economies is understanding how to support the community. I mean, we can't really believe that we're going to create a more sustainable future if we're not looking to the impacts on directly on the community, because it's not just about finding sustainable products or bio, biodegradable products, but it's also sustaining communities that are actually the people whose hands are, are creating this product. So for me, community is, is the, at the center and the core of everything that we do, um, both in Alt Creative Group and in WeTrek. And so for me, it's, it's, you know, the invitation is for people to get really curious about the communities that are supporting their product and, and their supply chain and, and figure out ways to support them better. Whenever I, um, whenever I travel, I always try to get, uh, you know, the excursions or uh, kind of get off the beaten path yeah. and just see what the real country is all about. And that could be experiencing different foods. It could be, uh, I, I actually in, in Jamaica, I went to this uh, mountain village uh, and it was really cool. I stayed overnight and it was just ex experiencing something that was completely different that I've never experienced before. But this could come back and haunt us. The last time I'm only telling this because it came back uh, in Mexico, in Monterey. And Brandon Young and I and a bunch of other uh, people were around two in the morning, three in the morning. Brandon's on his phone going, oh, TripAdvisor says that there's a food truck uh, just a block away and it's number one in Monterey. So we walked out there and it was the best, best hot dog I ever had. Uh, and the, the, the uh, tacos that we had were fantastic. But just finishing up like the fifth taco, I said, I looked over at Brandon. I said, <laughs> Brandon, you're talking after me tomorrow, right? And he, yep. We never thought about, like, this is coming off a food truck. <laughs> what happens if we both get sick? And But luckily we didn't. And, you know, uh, uh, save Montezuma for another day. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it just hit me. I went... Oh, you know, we're, 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 you know, we come down here, we're basically being paid to come down and we might not be on stage together. So, oh, it was, it was just hilarious. But uh, like I said, it was an experience. It was awesome. Uh, you know, just exploring yeah. this food. I know we're down you know, a completely different rabbit hole, but uh, just a lot of fun. Okay. 
I think that's it. Let's get over to some questions. Uh, we've got a bunch of questions. And again, if you have other questions about this, food trucks, whatever you want, just throw them in the comment section. All right. And just a reminder, we do have a brand new WhatsApp group uh, for Lunch with Norm. It's the official Lunch with Norm uh, WhatsApp group. So make sure you sign up. Uh, and we're going to be posting there. Because regularly. you wanted it. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. First question is from CoolHand99. I have begun exploring Mexico as a sourcing option. Is it normal for MOQs to be incredibly higher than China? Yes, it is. It is normal. Um, the reason for that is because, uh, one, because China has just been doing this for a significantly more amount of time. So they obviously have, you know, uh, systems and abilities to reduce costs because of the volume that they do on other production lines and within their within their same kind of manufacturing sphere. So it is normal. One of the ways that we're looking to get around it, like I had said earlier, is just trying to figure out ways through through the sourcing agent and through the support that we provide of grouping different um, you know POs around raw materials so that we can bring those MOQs down. Um, again, having somebody on your side who can negotiate for you in Spanish and who is familiar with the culture here is a huge advantage. Uh, right now, we're working with brands that are doing you know, 80, 80, 80 units of a style. That's a pretty low MOQ um, for the wow. apparel industry. So I, I do know that it's possible. Um, but like I said, it's it's a lot of investment in understanding the culture here and getting to know and coming and and uh, sharing a tequila with them to be able to be able to be able to negotiate these MOQs for sure. And there's strategies that you can put in place too. Yeah. That you might have a higher um, MOQ at the beginning. But just like you would work with the Chinese manufacturer in this inventory strategy that we've been talking to people about the podcast, you can do the exact same thing. So at the end of the day, it does work out to be very similar. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the next one is from Neil. Uh, I've tried sourcing two products in Mexico. The material, the first one wasn't, ma wasn't made of, uh, isn't used there. The second product was about six times more expensive than China. I spent thousands with sourcing agents and on samples and cat files. Um, yeah, any any thoughts? It, can they let me know what the product is, just to have a reference of like what it is? Because it's hard to answer without knowing. Okay. So yeah, I don't Neil, know if, if you answer that. If Neil, if you can let us know maybe some more specifics on that, um, that would be great, and we'll answer your question uh from rad is mexico's postage high like in canada so shipping out of mexico um by air can get expensive definitely um it's important to consider that the reason that mexico is a is a better idea is because you can buy land uh bring the product and although it could be a few extra days it's still significantly faster than mm -hmm. china so i think a lot of people want to go for a like flying product to to the us or to canada but by land it's something that i mean we we, we only you move the, the goods by land and trucks leave every single day twice a day and usually within two days maximum three days the product is landed across the border and once it's in the us moving it is extremely easy so my recommendation is to try to avoid error um, because yes, it, it, it can get expensive, but because we're connected literally physically on the same continent, um, we can move product by land really quickly and easily. 
Okay, and to go back to Neil's question, he said um, melamine prep and grill tray in a galvanized steel container. So this is definitely outside of my wheelhouse. <laughs> I definitely mm. don't have an answer for you. I'm really sorry, uh, Neil, but um, I know that that uh, as I mentioned when Norm asked, what are the areas that I think Mexico is strong? Um, I, I'm not familiar with the, this type of product category, but I do know that textile, um, plastics, beauty, and apparel, leather goods as well are are where I would I would start if you're in one of those categories. And if not, um, you know, I can I can check with uh, WeTrek and see if they have any more information on that, and then send it over um, if we want to include it or or send it over to that. A listener uh, and sometimes it just doesn't work yeah exactly. it, and that happens in china too sometimes it's just not the right place to get the product right. i.e cosmetics right all right and i think you pretty much answered our last question here um are there any types of product categories that mexico specializes in yeah so what i actually in? forgot which is great that this question came up again is is home goods so um, mm. Furniture is a huge one, huge, huge, huge. I actually um, found, I don't know if this is, I should say this or not, but I, I ran into the buyers for Pottery Barn and for uh, West Elm in Tlaquepaque, which is a town that specializes in furniture. And they were working very heavily with suppliers here. So apparel, textile, leather goods, uh, home goods, in, like interior design, ceramics, um, plates, cups, glassware, um, home uh, furniture and um, injected plastic as well, as we mentioned. Okay. And there's just tons of products you can take a look at. Mm. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, really in, in the, in the creative space, it's just a, another level. It's, it, it's absolutely incredible. Like if anyone on here listening is, even remotely related to a creative industry, whether it's beauty, whether it's a full, whether it's textile, home goods. I mean, this is our our niche because this is really, I mean, just the the best quality that you can find in the world and and really, really, really well made. Okay. So I think, Kels, is that it for the questions? Yes, that's uh, that's it for the questions. All right. So before we do anything, Lindsay. What's your contact information? How can people get a hold of you? So uh, our website is oldcreativeagency.com. And then you can find us on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Rosalt on Instagram, Old Creative Agency and Old Creative Academy on Instagram as well. We typically use Instagram for just about everything. And then, of course, WeTrek. I think you guys uh, shared the link, WeTrek.com, right. for the sourcing contact as well. Is our Yeah. Okay, so just before we go to the wheel, you got 30 seconds to you know get your name in uh, if you are interested in our giveaway. And once again, the giveaway is, Lindsay? Uh, access to the master, the eight-week masterclass for uh, fashion brands or fa anyone in the fashion industry or anyone looking to better understand uh, how to grow a creative business or the uh, diagnosis with WeTrack, the sourcing diagnosis with WeTrack. Mm -hmm. All right. Fantastic. So to have access to one of those, uh, hashtag Wheel of Kelsey, tag two people, and you'll get a second entry. And now I guess I have my live read. Kelsey? I guess that's Kelsey's way of saying, yes, you have that mm -hmm. live read. You sure do. All right. I am going to record this next week, though. 
Okay, and this is for sellers, seller basics. Hey, Amazon sellers ever faced with account suspensions, ASIN hiccups, or IP headaches? Introducing Seller Basics, your Amazon accounts guardian. With just $99 per month, Seller Basics offers a dedicated team to shield your business from these challenges. Plus, this membership offers free legal consultation from seasoned e-commerce attorneys. No long-term co uh, contracts. Cancel just with one month's notice and view Seller Basics. Or you can view Seller Basics as your Amazon Accounts Health Plan. So check it out at SellerBasics.com. And I got to say this disclaimer. Uh, Seller Basics isn't an insurer or a law firm. Consultations come from independent firms. Results can vary and membership needed before events leading to the claims. And other terms apply. That's it. Oh, I'm going to have that so recorded next week. <laughs> 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 Nothing like live reads. Okay. So uh, I don't think there's anything else. I guess we would just go uh, over to the wheel. Is that right, Kels? It's time for the wheel of Elsie. All right. Okay, so here is the Wheel of Kelsey. We do this every single episode. So make sure you come back Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. I do believe we have uh, daylight savings time happening yeah. in Canada, I think next week. So um, we might be an hour earlier or later than usual. But uh, anyways, here we go. All right. If you are the winner, please email me k at lunchwithnorm.com and Drip is on Hey, the Drip gets it. He's uh he's been snagging quite a few products. I know. I think he's won uh three three out of the last four or five. How much is uh, he paying? Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's I'm making pretty good money. Oh, all that. right, very good. Good side hustle. <laughs> all right, Lindsay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like I said, this is a, we don't talk enough about Mexico and sourcing in Mexico. Uh, I think it's a, a great opportunity for the right product, pro, uh, with the, for the right product and for suppliers that have the right communication skills, they can find, they can definitely find winning products to sell on Amazon, Walmart, or retail, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We should organize like a panel or something. I can get together some sourcing managers here and we can do a little digital webinar about. I'm happy to do that. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I, I'm all in for that. That would be fantastic. Sounds good. Thank okay. you so much, Norm. I had so much fun. Oh, I'm glad you I'm did. Go look for a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I just finished it off during the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, it was awesome having you. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, people, the listeners have, have uh, learned something from you today. And I'm that uh, course that you have, just in case you are interested and you didn't win, check it out. You know, check out what yeah. uh, what Lindsay's putting together. That is, you know, knowledge is everything, right? So you might find out that apparel is something you want to get into. But yeah. there we go. Amazing. Thank you All so right. much. You are very welcome. Enjoy Mexico. I wish I was there. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy <laughs> Vegas.
Oh, thank you. All right, everybody. So I'm, I'm, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Kelsey, get your butt back here. Hello. 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 Anything else to say? All right. Well, I'm going to say it again, like I have several times today. We have officially announced our new WhatsApp group for Lunch with Norm. This is the official Lunch with Norm WhatsApp group. So check it out. Uh, you can join here. Uh, it's also in the Facebook group. Uh, I put a giant QR code there. So it's nice and easy. Join here. It's brand new. Um, so we're just getting things started. It's about an hour old right now. So, um, so it's Kelsey talking to himself. Uh, right now, yes. We've got yeah. a couple, actually. we got a couple people joining in now. So um, things are moving. Things are grooving. So I uh, hope you like today's episode as well. You know, smash those like buttons. Uh, this podcast will be up on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts in about a week's time, uh, where you can find the edited version. And as that goes for the YouTube episode as well. And I think that's it. Perfecto. There. That's my... I don't even know what language. I don't know. It's Friday. Okay. So uh, have a great weekend, everybody. I uh, hope you liked uh, the episodes we had this week. I think we had some really unique episodes. Uh, you know, this one today and then the um, Heights platform. I am definitely checking that out. So if you haven't checked out, I, and we don't have an affiliate code, we don't have anything, but I checked it out. I got um, our uh, my retail partners to take a look at it because we've got that course launching. And just for brands, it is very inexpensive. And we yesterday, I think we made the decision to switch over to it. Uh, and I'm not getting a discount. I'm buying it at full price. I just asked to Laura and Aaron if they wanted to check it out. And they both agreed. We already had um, a platform to uh, promote our products on. But it's an awesome platform once you take a look at it. So if you haven't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the Heights Platform podcast we did yesterday or on Wednesday, and uh, you'll be amazed if you're doing any type of community building. And that's it. So join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon Eastern Central Time, our standard time. And I say this at the end of every podcast, we could not do this without our community. We have an awesome community. If you want to be part of it, go to our Facebook group. And that is Lunch with Norm, the Amazon FBA and e-commerce collective. And I had that backwards, but you know, it's Friday. Want more great information? Don't forget to subscribe by clicking here. Also, if you want to check out our latest podcasts, click over here. Lunch with Norm. Lunch with Norm. Lunch with Norm.